This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective stay named Eddie Valiant. Ooga Booga! Every moment they were together was a new adventure in trouble. Hide me, Eddie! It's a motion picture about friendship. Please, Eddie! Don't tell me you're making a big mistake! Love. Compassion. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. The rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. Tunes. Gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a tomb! I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We tunes may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? This is Andrew Gonzalez, and here with me is my co-host, Dan Sullivan. And this is Let's See That Again, the podcast where we watch nostalgic movies and see if they held up today. This week, we went bonkers and loony for Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Now, Daniel, what is this movie to you? So, this was actually one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, I still remember... The very first time I saw it, I didn't get to see it in theaters. Um, so I had tried to rent it on VHS when it first came out. And it was such a popular movie that you couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and I was really upset about it. And I ended up going to my uncle's house for the weekend. And he took me ice fishing. And when I got back, my aunt had surprised me and went out and found the movie for rent. So I got to watch it. And it was just, I think I watched it like four times that weekend. Um that's that's awesome ice fishing man that's that is was that a good time as a child or was it very cold um no it was it was uh it was just on like a lake near his house so it was it was pretty warm i had like a snowsuit on it was cool they took us out it wasn't in like an ice shed or anything it was just out in the open so you go out and you have like this special little drill type thing that you cut a hole in the ice and you put these um it's like a little trap thing. It almost looks like a little TP type thing that holds it above the ice and you drop the line in and a little flag will pop up if something bites it and then you go over and a l- reel it a up. A little peepee? It, like a little teepee tile, like a tripod oh, style. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. Was so we, I, was I, like, I just stuck my dick in the in the ice and a fish came up. <laughs> hey, you know, I wouldn't put it by you, man. You and your dick. Not in the winter. And pee. <laughs> dude so that sounds like a really cool day you got to like 
go ice fishing with your uncle and then you come home to this masterpiece of a movie. Yeah, it was very cool. I got to watch that. I it was also um I was, I was excited for many reasons. They had a a small dog and I I didn't have a dog when I was little, so I got to play with the dog. My cousin also had an iguana. Um so it was it was a great weekend, but I just remember watching that movie over and over and I actually had a like a Roger Rabbit stuffed animal when I was younger that I would carry around everywhere with like the red suspenders and shit. And it came in like a cardboard car. It came in a uh, cardboard cardboard Benny. I don't remember what it came in. I just remember I carried it everywhere and it was like gray because it was dirty. It wasn't white anymore. <laughs> that That's such like a, this, that description is very nostalgic to me because as well as a child. And I don't even remember when we got this movie. I just remember it was one of those movies because you, and I'm sure listeners were the same. You had like your four favorite VHS movies that you would watch constantly and who framed Roger Rabbit was that in my household I actually forgot that that movie was like one of uh one of those movies until I recently started watching it again and it's crazy because there's things in that movie that I do on my everyday life like say little quotes but forget where they're from and realize they're from this movie oh like what and um when uh when Dolores and Eddie are about to kiss and Roger goes, oh, like I do that every time I see like a romantic scene or people are about to kiss. I go, oh, please don't stop a count on me or something like that. I forgot the rest of the line, but I always go, oh, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's where his cat was like, you do that every time. Yeah, um, I noticed that I react to whiskey the same way as Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes that's what happens when you become whiskey dan <laughs> things break <laughs> you shoot around the room but again that was like my favorite thing at, like and also the way at the beginning where roger rabbit ran around like his butt was on fire when he was on fire mm-hmm. i did that when i was younger like every time i ate something spicy uh you know and it just brought back a lot of memories my sister had the same doll that you had she kept the box because oh. it came in a cardboard benny and she would just like do the bo- try to do the voice and you use that all the time. But she had that rabbit. And I used to be so jealous because it was such a cool stuffed animal. Yeah, I got it for Christmas, I think. I must have been four the first time I saw that movie because it came out in 88. So that like it took longer for movies to make it to to video oh, at, VHS that point. at that point. Yeah. So it probably took about a year. So I'd say, yeah, it probably was on VHS in like 89. So that would put me and about four. It, and it's such like a, like even watching it now, it, it, it's such a great movie. Um, You'll never see, I, well, who knows? I heard some things, but, you know, Disney and Warner Brothers hasn't done something like this since. And it was such like an amazing thing that they did. But, you know, before we get deep in the movie, don't know if you heard, but I was doing some research and I saw that. Uh, t- uh, twenty twenty two. There might be a Roger Rabbit sequel. Interesting. I I know there was originally an idea for a sequel, and it ended up getting scrapped at some point. Well, um, Robert Semeckis said that uh, you know, they they were going, but with coronavirus, it may not happen now. They're still up in the air. But it makes me very concerned. You know that uh, Zemeckis is still tied onto this. Because he's usually very like protective of his properties and, 
you know doesn't like doing like later sequels or something like that uh so do you know if it's going to be the... do you know if it's going to be an actual sequel or is it going to be because the original idea for roger rabbit 2 was actually a prequel See, I'm not sure. I didn't deep dive because I was too busy screaming okay. uh, when I s- saw that that was going to happen. Because that makes me worried, man. Because, you know, Zemeckis did Back to the Future and he's always been very protective of that franchise and doesn't want anything like a sequel or spinoffs or anything. But if he's being lenient with Ro- Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that could be Disney, you know, twisting his arm. Could be. But it makes me concerned with Back to the Future because I also heard something about the Cobra Kai creator. Mentioning something about doing a Back to the Future series. I couldn't find anything on it because I, d- I hope that it was just like a false article I read. But if he's pimping out the properties, I'm not going to be happy about that, man. Yeah, that would be disappointing. I, I know after the film's first success, they were talking about making a Roger Rabbit too. But like I said, it was supposed to be, it, it was kind of a stupid idea. I'm a little glad they didn't do it. It was actually supposed to be set in World War II. So Roger was going to like save Jessica from Nazis and that's how they met. Um, so that would have just been weird. Not really, you know, I don't really want to see Roger Rabbit fight Nazis. Leave that to Indiana Jones. Well, well, see, that's stupid too. Well, it's funny you mentioned Indiana Jones because Harrison Ford was actually supposed to be uh, Eddie. Oh, that's right. Read that. (laughs) I was like, wow, we would have gotten a completely different Eddie, but Maybe they were going to do a Indiana Jones meets Roger Rabbit thing. Roger Rabbit in the Temple of Doom. (laughs) Roger Rabbit in the Temple of Doom. (laughs) I like, see, you know who else aside from uh, Harrison Ford, you know who else was in the, like in the running for Eddie? Uh, Who else? I I know there was a few, but I don't remember the other names. Harrison Ford stuck out the most to me, but I know that the Bob Hopkins was not the first choice. So the, the two that really stuck out to me was um, apparently Chevy Chase turned the role down, said he didn't want to do it. Um, and apparently Bill Murray was also considered, but he had never like his his agent didn't tell him about it or he missed the call or something like he's gone on record and said that, like, he didn't he wasn't aware of the opportunity and really wishes that he was because he would have liked to have been a part of it. So that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, Bob Hopkins wasn't bad, but like. To have Bill Murray in it, I think it would have given it a little bit more uh, finesse. You know, that would have worked yeah. better. Chevy Chase, man, he he turns down, he's turned down a lot of roles and he's definitely kicked himself for it probably. Cause, oh, yeah. Uh, um, and then he, t- he, I know he, he picked some odd ones too. Yeah, because didn't he turn down, wasn't he asked um, about playing Peter Vakeman at first and then he turned it down and then I think. Yeah, I think I he turned it down wrong. at first. Someone convinced him. Yeah, he. I think it was Ghostbusters. Well, what, Bill Murray, you're saying? Yeah. No, I'm saying Chevy Chase was asked first. I might have worded that wrong, but yeah. Oh. From what I heard, that Chevy Chase was asked first and he turned it down. And then they asked Bill Murray because, you know, I needed that character. I thought you were talking about Bill Murray because he's also turned down some some roles that I. Oh, yeah. but, But I feel like Bill Murray has gotten a lot better roles than Chevy Chase. Yeah. I mean, Chevy Chase is also notoriously hard to work with. Everyone who's worked, yeah, like, he, everyone on Community basically said that he was uh, pretty difficult, to say the least. Well, he's known <laughs> for being a, for being a dick. 
Yeah. And I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chevy. I know Chevy, I know you might be a fan of this podcast and you listen and I'm so sorry, man. And you're my boy, but just, just make sure you, you only only sue Andrew. <laughs> this is Dan Sullivan saying these things. I've had whiskey. <laughs> I'm cutting off Phyllis's head with a chainsaw. <laughs> so but uh i was gonna just say uh speaking of of bob hoskins did you hear how he prepared for the role like getting ready to work in the specific like film techniques that they did he uh what do you do he studied his i forget how old his daughter was but his daughter had an imaginary friend and he would watch how she interacted with her friend so that he could um you know, better portray someone that's talking to a cartoon character because in actuality, they're usually just talking to like a tennis ball on a stick or a robot holding a beer, you know? Yeah. And that makes me like, I was wondering how he did that. That's amazing that he, uh, that he did that. Like, that's a smart way of doing it because kids, you know, they're already pretty animated and stuff and like how they would deal with certain things that like, that's a more realistic choice instead of just trying it off, off the cuff. He did a pretty good job. Though I will say sometimes design line didn't met properly, but again, you know, that's got to be so hard, especially then. That wasn't really like properly um, mastered at the time. Well, a lot of the scenes actually were uh, animated after the filming. So in some instances, the animators like changed what they were drawing to to better match the eye line or to better match certain conditions. Like there's a scene where Roger's standing up on his tiptoes and they did that so that it would look like he's getting looked in the eye instead because uh, Bob was looking a little too high. Um, uh, there's another shot smart. in the beginning of the movie too. I don't know if you remember it. There's like a, like a pelican riding a bicycle. Yeah. So the bicycle falls over. Um, and originally they were just going to have the pelican riding a bike by, but because of the way that they were shooting and they were using a real bike, they couldn't get it to ride super long and it kept wobbling and falling over. So the animators just made the um, the Pelican fall off the bike instead. They they had a badass. I didn't look it up. I should have looked at the animators and given them their due respects, but they definitely had a kick ass animation team for this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely. De- it was the it definitely had the masters at work, you know. It was one of those like often duplicated, never replicated type things afterwards. A lot of other, you know, movies and production companies tried to replicate what they did, but cut corners or maybe not dedicate as much or just not have the right talent in house. And it just didn't work as well because this was actually the most expensive, like budget wise film up until that point, like for its time, not just for an animated movie, but. Overall, the the seventy million dollar budget for this film was the the biggest budget for a film to date. Oh yeah, like at that point in eighty eight. But they, dude, they crushed it in the box office. They fucking crushed it. Oh yeah, yeah, they that, definitely. Uh, like, it, it was it was a home run, absolutely. Three hundred and twenty nine point eight million for nineteen eighty eight, dude. Do you know well, what that, that translates to today? Um, I want to guess um, probably around like 600 mil. Oh, I don't know. I was I was just asking. <laughs> but I yeah, would maybe. say like I, I, I did say 70 million kind of leads up to 150. So I was thinking percentage wise, maybe it'd be close to 50 percent higher. So probably about 600 million, man. 
Oh, I was just gonna say for for a production company to to put that much money into an animated movie and have it be a success, it ended up kind of paving the way for. I mean, I guess like the golden age of you know Disney Disney animation and stuff like that. I don't know if you've ever seen the. Um, there's a documentary called Waking Sleeping Beauty that kind of talks about how Disney animation studios were almost like not like bankrupt, but they were they were losing money and not really doing well, and then they started uh, cranking out you know, like the little mermaid and stuff like that. And it was when they started actually really hitting home runs at the box office and, and bringing in cash for animated films. And it was because, because of the success of Roger Rabbit that they felt like it was worth taking the risk to devote all that money into like really like curating a really good animated film. And it definitely paid off for them. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. I haven't watched it yet, but it sounds very interesting because you know, they started cranking out like the 90 classics Disney, which really like revamped their popularity. Mm-hmm. Now, question for you. Do you think that you now you talked about like with animation and stuff like that, like saying how, um, you know, the animators really put a lot of detail and work and took their time into making the animation work in this movie. Yeah. Do you think it? do you think it was because it was Warner brothers and Disney and they were both kind of competing with each other within making the movie being like, well, we got our animation's got to be kick ass as much as Disney's, whatever they, those animators are doing. Because I assume they divided the work. They were like, "All right, the Warner Brother guys will do the the you know, the Looney Tunes stuff, and Disney will do the Disney stuff." Do you think it was maybe a mild competitiveness within the animators' circle? So I don't know if there were separate, um, like animation teams for each. Uh, like property, like for Warner Brothers. And I know they licensed them out. I think it might've been the same animation team. Like I know there was animation studios basically um, worldwide that were all working on this. Uh, let me see here. I, th- I think I have how many animation cells here. Yeah, so all the animation cells in this movie are actually hand-painted and there are 82,000. So there's no computer animation because Zemeckis thought that it was gonna like kind of cheapen it. And he wanted this... You know, you can kind of tell by looking at it and how they use so many different cartoon characters. It's really his, um, you know, like his his homage to actual, like the golden age of animation, like the pencil and paint. Um, it, but yeah, 82,000. And uh, let's see here. I don't think I recorded how many actual artists worked on it, but I know they had um, different studios throughout the world working on all different aspects because it would have taken so much time. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know if they uh if if like it was like both animation teams. So, I was just curious if that was the case and maybe why it was like so good because the animators were like trying to make it as good as possible because you know, the style was awesome. It was very Looney Tunes-ish. That's what it reminded me of and just seeing these characters like was such a nostalgic of like a reminder of watching Saturday morning cartoons and uh, of like you know Disney and Looney Tunes and and this movie it was su- it was such a good it was awesome yeah there's a, I mean there was a lot of groundbreaking stuff that happened in this movie because it wasn't just animation either um, but like just speaking from the you know just the animation point there's a it's called like bumping the lamp or something like that there's a there's a scene where Eddie hits his head on the on like an animated lamp 
or I forget if the lamp's animated. I, I think the, the lamp is real, but it's the light is interacting with the animated characters. And because it's swinging around the room and there's so many different lighting changes, it was so difficult that it actually made like a um, an industry term for an animators called bumping the lamp. And it means like when you make something that's just so unbelievably difficult that the audience probably doesn't even really notice. That's crazy. This movie started that because I've heard the term, but never really thought about what it meant. Like, I was like, oh, some some term from. Yeah, because apparently that was one of the, the hardest shots in the uh, in the whole film. And it had way more animation than Disney originally wanted as well. Because, um, you know, from the get go, it was going to be a hybrid live action animated film. And Disney originally because animation is so expensive and to do it the way that they did where you're incorporating it in with moving real people, they wanted only 12 minutes of animation kind of dispersed throughout the entire film. And uh, I think Zemeckis wanted something like 54 and they ended up settling on like, uh, like 48 minutes total runtime of just solid animation. Which is crazy because it feels like it's like in the whole movie. Like it feels like there's always something animated. And it wasn't even just like animators that worked on it. It like uh, it was taken to an effects studio afterwards to have the proper lighting done and stuff like that. It was actually done at uh, Industrial Light and Magic, who did like the Star Wars movies and stuff like that. No and, wonder they had such a big budget. Yeah. So the let's see, there was a, a th- one thousand and four shots were actually produced through Industrial Light and Magic, and it was uh, another record that this movie broke because the previous record was only 300 for a film that were produced through Industrial Light and Magic. And do you know what film that was by any chance? No, what film was that? It was Return of the Jedi. What? Well, I, okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Fucking love that movie. The one without the special stupid scatting aliens. But this was actually the first like hybrid film that um, that had like physical interactions between people and animated characters. Like there were other, other movies like, uh, like Mary Poppins and shit like that, where they would be characters, but it was more like they would kind of, like we were saying earlier, the eye lines wouldn't really match up and they wouldn't actually like touch the characters or have any kind of physical interaction with the environment. It was, you could tell that they were just talking and it was put in in post. Whereas this was the first time that, you know, he'd pick someone up and strangle a cartoon character and throw him through a physical wall. Or be hand- handcuffed to them. And exactly, drag yeah. Drag him around. Yeah, I think Bedknobs and Broomstick did the same thing. They just had, like, animated background, and they were just like, oh, like, didn't really touch or, you know, fully interact with anything. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, as a kid, th- this movie was so cool to me. Like, I thought this was real. Like, I thought, like, Roger Rabbit was an actor, and he... Came in and did his part, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, because it, it and it's like even watching it now, it's just like the stuff that Bob Hopkins had to do to like interact to make you think that he's stuck and handcuffed to this animated character. It was amazing. Yeah, for a lot of the animated characters, they had uh, to scale rubber dolls that they'd put in their spot just so for like a first round before the camera was rolling. So they'd, they'd like pace through the scene and it would kind of give the actors an idea of like physical pacing and, and space and, and where their eye line should be. And then they would remove 
the dolls for the you know for the actual filming but um what's the guy's name who played roger charles Fle- charles fleischer he would actually sit on set dressed in a full roger rabbit suit and and do the voices just off camera to help but he he was in full roger rabbit costume the entire time he- yeah, I didn't know he was doing that on set. I read when he would would uh, record his lines, he would be dressed as Roger Rabbit. So I I I really hope there's uh like footage of that somewhere because I know there's photos. But he is, he does the voice of Benny too. I don't know if you realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I uh I looked up the voices and stuff, but the voices are so different. It's really cool. Um, did you know? I don't know why I'm flaking on. Uh... There was another voice actor in there who played like a very mild part and was. Uh, um, It was like a big someone who a year later became like a really big voice. Nancy Cartwright, who plays Bart Simpson. Oh, yeah. Played the voice of of the shoe <laughs> who gets melted. Um. Yeah, and a year later played Bart Simpson, and today she's one of the most well-known voice actresses. She gets melted in the the dip. Oh, <laughs> which I re- I found out is a real thing. It's something that they use to erase animation cells, so that's yeah. like actually real. But dude, as a child, that scene horrified. That there was a lot of scenes that I re- I was reminded scarred me as a child in this movie this movie was not i don't know it was geared towards kids but it's not a kid's movie <laughs> like, yeah the shoe scene very... always always freaked me out that poor sh- he murdered that shoe man and and the, they say the ingredients of dip are uh are turpentine benzene and acetone and those are all like you said uh paint thinners that were used in traditional animation studios yeah it's 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 insane and it's uh you know those scenes are if <sighs> they even gave me chills watching them now it's like getting flashbacks of like i actually as a kid used to fast forward through that part sometimes because it was oh, just, really <laughs> it oh, well i was a i was a wimpy kid but, but you know that 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 scared me when i was a kid i thought disney's mr boogity was a scary movie that <laughs> <laughs> that movie is not horrifying at all. I think it gets stuck think up by that. a vacuum. We'll have I've... to do that one. <laughs> okay. Did you find it's the? It's uh, bad. Did you find the photo of Charles Fleischer? Hmm. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't look it up. Let me see. <laughs> what the hell? I thought he'd have makeup on, but no, it's just a no. a rabbit suit. Just a suit. I found a gif. I wonder oh, if there's really? videos of him, him like where he's being strangled. But I wonder if there's gifs of like, I mean, videos of him doing the voice dress like that. There's got to be somewhere. He's got a l- little bit of a uh, a tie in with Back to the F- the Back to the Future series as well. Which one? So he is in Back to the Future two, and he's the guy that is talking to Marty and tells him that the Cubs are going to win the World Series. Oh. You know, you know, there's there's another semi tie in that they do in Back to the Future 2 related to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I'm sure you already know it. What's that? The tunnel. Oh, yeah. It's the same tunnel that uh, that Biff tries to run him over in. I forgot all about that, but I remember when I was a kid, 
I forgot who told me that. Might have been my grandfather, because I loved Back to the Future. And I remember watching that with him, and he knew I liked Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I remember him saying, like, you know, that's the same tunnel. I was like, what? No. <laughs> I had a few laughs. Like, there was a couple, uh, like, l- like quotes and stuff that little jokes that I liked in this movie. Like, when Eddie goes goes to the, what's the, na- the, the, what's the name of the club? The, the Ink and Paint Bananas? Club. Oh, the Angry Paint Club? Cougar Ink and Bananas. Paint. Ink and paint. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, he asks for a scotch on the rocks, and he he's like, "I mean ice." And they still bring they still bring him rocks. <laughs> that that's like one of my favorite scenes when you see Daffy Duck and Donald Duck doing a piano duel. Oh man, the goosebumps, dude! So I don't know if you noticed, but they actually have the exact equal amount of screen time in that scene bugs and Daffy. I'm, I'm sorry uh daffy and donald or the, the piano scene you mean like uh well yeah they're they're in that shot together but in order to use all of the the characters that this movie has the rights to um disney and warner brothers had weird clauses in their contract that um of course they're they did. like their prime their primary like brand characters would need to have exact equal amounts of screen time. So if you sit there and time it, Mickey and uh, Bugs, Donald and Daffy, whenever they're on screen, they're on screen like very equally. There's no, no like neither shines or has has uh, you know predominant view on the screen. No wonder those characters are in the same scenes together. But it, it worked out in that way because they're both like the mirror popularity versions of each other within each production company, you know? Yeah, they ended up having, I think it was, it's 81 Disney characters and 19 Warner Brothers characters. Really? Only 19 Warner Brothers? Well, they have a smaller, uh, you know, catalog. Roster? That, yeah, exactly. I feel like Looney Tunes would have had more because I feel like Looney Tunes has a lot of, like, like random characters, like a lot of characters, we wouldn't know who the fuck they were. Um, but I guess that does make sense. You know, and, Disney did and most shine of the, a little. Most of the Warner Brothers characters are all voiced by the same same guy too. Yeah, so, uh, Mel Mel Blank was his name. Yeah. So he. I don't was, know. Was pretty much done by Pretty much done by everyone. Pretty much did the voice of everyone, but uh, for this film, he didn't do Yosemite Sam. Because that was like a real strain on his vocal cords, and he was, he, he ended up passing away shortly after the film was made, and it was like too much strain for him. So they had another voice actor do Yosemite Sam, but all the other Warner Brothers characters are, are still done by Sam. I'm sorry, he, Mel. It was, it was, uh, it wasn't noticeable because he sounded like Yosemite Sam to me. Raw darn tootin'. Yeah, I can't do Yosemite Sam, but. I like that I didn't notice uh, when Eddie opens the gun case up that it's it's from Yosemite Sam. Yes. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> he's like, thanks for getting me out of the Hooskow, <laughs> Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Apparently Hooskow means jail. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's a prison, I think. Right. I, I believe so. <laughs> it's crazy to that scene because you will never see that again. There's a couple things actually I want to bring up. Um that you will never see in a movie nowadays. One, that gun scene, like just see animated bullets, like 
lot alive speaking bullets. Like I was laughing and I was funny. It was like, you know what though? This wouldn't be a thing now. Like this, they, they would be okay. in gun violence, you know, like kids. I mean, some of the bullets are kind of racist stereotypes too. Like the oh, Native yeah, American. Well, <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> but what I mean is like, you, you'd never see them be like, let's animate a bullet for kids. Like that would not really be a thing today. Or showing kids smoking cigarettes or about to light up cigarettes. Where, he definitely smoked. He smoked cigarettes with like <laughs> eight-year-old kids or something like that on the yeah. on the back of the trolley. He's they're definitely smoking. I have it at ten minutes and seventeen seconds in the movie. Eddie's hopping on the back of a trolley, and these kids are like, "Hey, Mister, why don't you drive a car?" And he's and as the little kids handing everyone cigarettes. I mean, I forget <laughs> I when like, is the movie supposed to take place. It's like the forties or something. Definitely nineteen forties. Um. I believe whenever high, like freeway started being a thing, because yeah, honestly, so that was, this that movie was back when they thought cigarettes were healthy and that, you know what I mean? Like, do you have your cigarettes today, kids? Cigarettes and veggies. <laughs> Here you go. Lucky strikes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was laughing so hard when this was all the fucking evil doers plan. Christopher Lloyd, who amazing work in this movie. Um, his plan was to make a freeway and, Bob Hopkins is like, that sounds like a Looney Tunes idea. I see a place where people get on and off the freeway. On and off, off and on, all day, all night. Soon, where Toontown once stood will be a string of gas stations, inexpensive motels, restaurants that serve rapidly prepared food, tire salons, automobile dealerships, and wonderful, wonderful billboards reaching as far as the eye can see. My God, it'll be beautiful. Is this an attack on corporate greed? Like tearing down things to make like big roads and like uh, profiting from like restaurants and stuff like that? Because I was like, wow, this is what we have now. And as a kid... You can I didn't know. I didn't get it. I didn't get that that was his evil plan. I was just like, whatever, this guy's fucked up. <laughs> this guy's an idiot. Um <laughs> he sounds weird. Yeah, for for like a like a genocide inspired like a I don't know, for, like he's a cop killer and he wants to kill all the tunes, but his main aspiration is just to like pave a road. Just and pave it all he, down. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, I bought the trolley company, so everyone will have to drive now. It's like, you already had the trolley company. Couldn't you just make fucking money doing that? Yeah. You're being yeah, kind of I a dick really... for no reason. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't get what his pl- why. Like, what did the tunes do to him? Oh, let's see that prequel. The the prequel of Judge Ju- Judge Doom. Judge like, Judy. <laughs> Judge Doom. Judge Doomy. <laughs> Like he fucking hated tunes. He figured out how to murder them. And you know what I thought was weird? So humans can't be murdered. It's it's not cool. But this guy can just take cartoons and just dip them in shit and murder them. And it's okay because they're just fucking tunes. Right. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Something doesn't seem right here. Well, their tunes are like second class citizens. It's kind of like a whole, you know, um, like an allegory for racial in- injustice because there's, you know, they have their own special club and stuff like that. And 
But they're famous and they have celebrityisms. Yeah, but I mean, but it's true you, they don't you can, own you can Toontown. Still have, which yeah, you can still have, you know, have people know who you are and be segregated and oppressed. True. True, you do make a valid point on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what What were some of your favorite scenes in this movie, Dan? Um. Let's see here. I mean, I really liked, and I didn't pick up on this when I was younger, but I appreciated it more, that everyone really takes a lot of jabs at Eddie for being an alcoholic. Dude, the alcoholic thing went way over my head when I was a kid. Like, like some, someone he, at one point's like, hey, I thought you changed your name to Jack Daniels. Yeah. Aren't <laughs> you Eddie Valiant? Oh, I heard it's Jack Daniels now. Like, what? Damn. I was just going to say, I didn't realize how, like, in almost every scene, Eddie's trying to drink alcohol. Oh, yeah. He's just constantly drinking, like, wild turkey and shit. Yeah. And you totally don't get that when you're a kid. Um, another thing that I really liked is, and I've always liked this, but I, I always enjoyed the opening scene where, you know, it's, it's, um, Roger and, and baby Herman on set. And so like they drop the refrigerator on Roger and they open it up and it's a real refrigerator with like real cartoon looking food in it, but Roger's animated and stuff like that. Um, but I just like how consistent they are with making so many different products Acme branded. Yeah. I I thought that I thought that was awesome. That that was such like a nice mwah to like Looney Tunes. And then we even meet Marvin Acme at one point. When he, yeah. He plays patty cake with, uh, with Oh my Jessica. god. <laughs> That's patty cake. <laughs> patty cake. Cat was, was like next to me. And she, She's never really seen this movie. She's like, I assume that means sex. And I'm like, I guess for like tunes. Oh, I laughed so hard. <laughs> I was laughing too. That part. The, yeah. I, lo- I love that whole scene when Roger's like freaking out. Um, That beginning scene you mentioned. Did you know who that director was? That was like yelling at Roger that he didn't want birds. He wanted stars, which I thought was awesome. Like an awesome line, like to be like, oh yeah, the t- cartoons. I just love the the world that these these cartoons are actors, and they have they, they have to make the birds appear in front of their heads, and you know. Um, who but yeah, but did you know who that di- the director was? The big Hollywood producer Joe Silva. I don't know if you know who Joe Silva is. He produced Die Hard, The Matrix, Roadhouse. Oh wow! Most okay. of the the Lethal Weapons, Warriors. And he also did produce a movie for one of my favorite podcasts, How'd This Get Made, Action Jackson, which, (laughs) if you're looking for a a goofy, not really meant to be goofy action movie, watch Action Jackson. (laughs) I've never even heard of it. I'll have to check it out. Dude, it's ridiculous. It's got the guy who plays Coach. He's the villain. So it's really cool to see him as a bad guy. (laughs) Like from the sitcom Car- coach, you mean? Yes. Okay. And Carl Weath- Carl Weather- Weathers is the protagonist. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, awesome! It's oh, dude, it's 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 a treat. <laughs> you need to watch it. It's it's really a treat. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot a lot of cameos in in this movie. 
but understandable, you know, it, I bet you a lot of actors were like, Oh, Disney and Warner brothers come together. I have to be in this movie. We even have, uh, like celebrities that weren't actually involved in the final project either. Like, um, in, in all the pre-screenings, Paul Rubens was the voice of Roger Rabbit. And then they ended up hiring someone else. You know what I mean? That was, I'm not sure why they, I don't know if they just decided to go with someone, um, more of like a voice actor that could do different voices. But in, in all the test footage, it was Paul Rubens. What? Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, that makes me wonder, like, um, well, I, I, hmm. I wonder how that would have been because, uh, you know, Paul Rubens is very talented, but I can't really, this is Roger Rabbit was high caliber voice acting, you know? Um, I mean, there's a a lot of different, different results that we could have gotten from this film. There's, you know, there's, there's alternate endings. There's, um, there's one ending where they reveal that, uh, judge doom was the, the killer of Bambi's mom. Uh, there's actually another where Roger died. He he died in like a, a dip crossfire type like shootout and was murdered. And um, there's a there's a sting song called Lazarus Heart that was played and actually written for this film for the ending where Roger dies. And it wasn't actually used because they didn't go with that cut. So Sting saved the song and then released it later on on an album called uh, Nothing Like the Sun. But he wrote that song Holy to be like a a, a death of shit. Roger Rabbit tune. Holy shit, man. I did not know that. They were going to kill Roger? That would have been awful. And you know who would have killed him? Sting was who? also going to play Judge Doom. What? Yeah. Wait, was he acting at that point? Yeah, he was, con- he was considered for the part, along with uh, Christopher Lee, who you probably know as Count Dooku. Uh, Christopher oh Lee turned God. it down and uh, Christopher Tim Lee would have done a good job Tim Curry from our last film Clue was also considered but test audiences thought that he was too scary yeah I, I actually heard about that and I laughed I, I read that because I was like yeah he would have been he because he, Tim Curry can up that terrify meter and uh, John Cleese actually was almost Count Doom as well I'm sorry uh, really? Judge Doom yeah yeah I would. Uh, I don't think that would have worked very well. No, it would have been weird as if if Sting was Judge Doom too, and then played a song yeah. at the end about killing him. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been very weird. That's that's crazy. Christopher Lloyd was the best. He's just got that voice, yeah. like that. You know, you know what happens if you laugh? You'll die. Like, <laughs> I love that oh line. My God, and that's another like thing that as a kid i didn't notice that they constantly say that throughout the movie hinting what's going to happen to the weasels later but that's so that's also psychotic to think that these weasels have an issue where they laugh too much that they accidentally die (laughs) that they have to constantly remind themselves not to laugh yeah they they say at one point it like you know what happened to your hyena cousins or something because they died from it and they're actually originally wow, going to be is... seven weasels to uh, to mimic the seven dwarfs, but they cut it down. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess they because they do have kind of a dopey one. Well, they have kind of like two dopey ones. Yeah, they cut out a couple like secondary characters. Like they cut out two of the weasels because I think there's five, and then 
um, originally Judge Doom also had like a weird animated pet vulture that they cut out. But uh, I can s- you can still confirm that though, because some of the toys that were released at the same time, Judge Doom had a vulture with him that you don't actually ever see in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I know, uh, well, I know it wasn't, he wasn't in it, but didn't they release like some before movies? Um, sometimes you can see little animated shorts of Roger Rabbit. Yeah, there's a few of them. Uh, some of them are actually on Disney Plus, I believe. Um, yeah, that's actually what reminded me of those because I remember they used to show them before some movies later on. Yeah, um, they they made a, a bunch of them like right after Roger Rabbit, and I think that was when they were in the process of kind of ramping up for the the sequel prequel type thing um so i forget how many there are there's three or four i think there might even be more i'm surprised they didn't do anything uh bigger like sooner it's it kind of shocks me that it's like almost 2022 and they're like oh maybe we'll, we'll bring back roger rabbit but i also it might go and coincide with my rumor that um disney is seeing what's becoming very popular on their Disney plus app and deciding on what to remake or make sequels based off of their audience viewers choice. Yeah. Kind of, you know, pooling their efforts where the most money is going to come from. Yeah. Just, you know, grabbing that shovel and, uh, digging up our childhoods, fucking it and putting it back upside down (laughs) and hoping it works out today, which, ah, man, um, I, I'm not happy about that, but, uh, is, you have any other scenes that were very iconic to you, uh, uh, grow like when you were a kid? Um, I mean, I really liked the, uh, like the warehouse scene when I was a kid where like the big dip machine is, is spraying around and all the weasels, like you said, laugh themselves to death. But I'd say yeah. probably my favorite part in the movie when I was younger, it, you're probably going to agree here, is when they get to Toontown, when they go through that tunnel and there's that big, like, you know, the music swell and everything, you know, everything's mm-hmm. just all the trees are waving and shit like that. Uh, that was probably something that really stuck out the most if, when I think back to this movie is just being like, oh, my God, uh, so many cartoon characters crammed into oh yeah, know, ev- every frame every frame and I, I actually felt the same i was getting excited when they got the toontown and i and then seeing it now as an adult i'm like oh it doesn't look as amazing as i remember it <laughs> you know it's now I mean, they, they like, still have oh. a, a ton of cartoon characters but there there were there were there were a lot that were still left out though like even even like some big um some big oh, yeah. na- name brands like some of them were just because you know the film could only be so long and they had to cut them out and then there were others because they couldn't get the rights to it um, you get to take any well, I thought it was cool, cool of who, uh, what the characters that they had in there was. I was mainly saying, like, compared to like you're watching this whole movie and you're seeing cartoons in the real world and it looks really good, but then you see Bob Hopkins in Toontown, and at some points, especially the above shot, it looks a little janky. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like, having just the one live person doesn't work as well. Uh, that th- those scenes probably didn't age as well. 
Well, actually, and not to to steal your you you talking about your favorite part because it's part of t- Toontown. I love when Eddie's walking in the alley and he sneeze sneezes and his and his shadow turns around and goes Gunzoom tight. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I, I was like, oh. the jokes in this were so good. Like they were just like so like quick. You know, it was it was good. You know. But yeah, yeah, I there, do like that. There, there were a lot scene. that I didn't get at the time either, too. Like there's a oh, joke yeah. at one point where they're talking about it's like Eddie and I can't think of his girlfriend's name and Roger are in the scene. Dolores. And Dolores. Dolores. And they're talking about probate and Ro- and Roger starts talking about his uncle's prostate. And they're like, not prostate, you idiot. Probate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. I was like. <laughs> oh my god i was like probably when i was a kid i was like whatever he's doing animated stuff i don't care but that's such a good joke um now on on the things that not understanding when you were a kid jessica i was wondering if this was a a boner joke <laughs> at the end jessica rabbit goes come on home roger i'll bake you a carrot cake i don't know if it's a boner joke or i think i always just took it as a rabbit joke that's what I kind of thought, but but Roger's like, ooh, 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 ooh. like he makes like a ooh, 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 like bashful like ooh, carrot cake and like how patty cakes kind of like sex with them. I mean, that's why and I'm thinking like, maybe they don't have sex if he is. You know what I mean? If they consider patty cake is like their intimate activity, um, she's probably just baking him a cake and he's excited. <laughs> you know, she just draws. You know, because they're not drawn that way. They're just drawn like what they have on. Oh, but you uh, you didn't answer my question though. You didn't answer my question though about the uh, can you think? Can you think of any other popular like animated characters that you were surprised weren't in the film at the time or anything like that? Because there were a few that were missing that actually the studios turned it down, and I'm I'm assuming they're probably kicking themselves now. Was it um, Yukon Leghorn? So not uh, not any Warner Brothers characters specifically. They're kind of like outside of the general Warner Brothers bubble. Um, the ones that I had in mind that actually turned turned down having their characters in the film were uh, were Popeye, Tom and Jerry, Casper, and Mighty Mouse. Oh, what anime was is that Warner Brothers? I know Mighty Mouse. I know. I don't. I don't think they're all owned by the same, uh, same companies. But they were gonna have different, like besides just mainly Warner Brothers. Because I, I'm pretty sure there was there might have been other animation studio characters. Because um, I know there were definitely like like some Warner Brothers characters and stuff that were left out just because, you know, they were edited out. It was just too too long of a film, like Pepe Le Pew and stuff like that. It has no. no yeah, part I heard. In it. I heard that. I heard that they. Uh, cut out Pepe Le Pew um yeah that's it seemed like uh well yeah you saying how many Disney characters were in the movie it seemed like Disney kind of like dominated this movie a little bit yeah I mean well they were essentially you know footing most of the bill so I'm sure they made sure that they were the the prime feature but I know Warner Brothers was like anytime our characters are on the screen with one of the Disney characters it needs to have the same amount of screen time. Yeah. It seemed like, uh, 
I'm trying to think. Yeah, it did seem like every time there was like a Warner Brothers character, you got a mixture of both. I thought the the Betty Boop nod was kind of nice. Yeah, I, I never really got into Betty Boop. She always just reminds me of like uh, carnival T-shirts. <laughs> That's true. Huh. She has like a big, like usually on carnival shirts. See, I was very familiar with Betty Boop because my grandmother was, uh, she loved Betty Boop. That was like her favorite cartoon character. She always like, oh, Betty Boop. She used to always get like Betty Boop stuff. I don't think I've so ever even seen a Betty, Betty Boop cartoon. Like I, I know what she sounds like and stuff, but like, what does she do? Just boops yeah, things? It's pretty much like. I think she's like a like a stripper or a bartender or something or I don't know. I'm sure That's I'm sure like she's a, not a stripper. She's a, she's like a super old cartoon character. I know they have like a, a character from like, I don't know, the 30s or whatever the fuck it is. That's like, yeah, I'm Betty Boop. I'm a stripper. Boop, boop, doop. She was a jazz aged flapper. OK, she was a flapper girl from the 1930s. That makes sense. Uh, how would you say? I said, yeah, that makes sense, like flapper style, because most of the clothes that she's drawn with, with like the dresses and stuff. I thought I, I thought you heard in the background you say she's single. Oh, I accidentally, <laughs> I I accidentally hit uh, the wrong button and it opened up a a Hulu tab and I pl- I played like five seconds of an episode of Thirty Rock. Like <laughs> so that was Lutz from Thirty Rock. Special right, cameo, I was like special cameo on this episode. <laughs> No, Betty Boop. Well, I'm I'm sure Betty Boop's not single, but if she is, you know. No, Lutz, she's like, not single, and we're not going to Blimpies. Does Betty Boop have a boyfriend? <laughs> Dan Sullivan wants to know. <laughs> Dan leaves girlfriend for Betty Boop. Front page. Get one of those uh, like body pillows with Betty Boop on it. <laughs> You start telling Devin to dress like Betty Boop. <laughs> You're like, it looks great. You should wear this tiny ass dress and like make it so that you have this tiny little waist. Here, let's tie like this. And, and talk like wear talk like heels. a weird giant baby. <laughs> and Devin, I won't respond to you unless your voice sounds like this. And every time you go in the room, you must enter with boop boop be doop. <laughs> <laughs> You seem to have a lot of detail on this fetish, Andrew. Hey, I know you. This is this is your fetish, man. You asked me if Betty Boop was single. You blame it on Hulu all you want. We know. You you're you're looking to boop. Just a little boop. Just the tip. So, is there anything else we want to discuss about this movie? I guess you know it, uh, um, we are getting into. Probably needing to wrap this up in a bit, but we should probably talk about, I think, a lot of young boys' sexual awakening, Jessica Rabbit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I just remember when I was a kid, like, I was like, I don't know why, but I'm very fascinated by this female character. Yeah, it it was one of the first times, like, I was like, I really like Roger, but I like Jessica for different reasons that I can't quite pinpoint. (laughs) I really don't know why. Why do I have these feelings? (laughs) And uh, there was a couple things like, you know, um, she was great. Uh, The voice actress who you see in like many different things, which couldn't like name them (laughs) off the top. I think Serial Mom's one of them. Kathleen Turner as the voice of Jessica Rabbit. 
And she's not actually and, credited in the film, right? Yeah. I, I, I meant to look into that. Do you know why she's not credited? I'm not sure. Because even when you look up the main cast, like if you Google it, it'll show you. But on IMDb, she's not listed at all. And I meant to look that up and I never knew why. Maybe she didn't want to be credited. Who knows? Why but, wouldn't you want to? I'm, I'm not sure either. Well, maybe like you got to think like she's being drawn as this overly sexual animated female character. And a lot of dudes probably jerk off to it. And she probably just doesn't want to be associated with it. Maybe. I know uh, Zemeckis was, was very adamant on not changing Jessica at all either, because when like they first started showing Disney test footage, one of the first uh, scenes that they saw was from that, the ink and paint club where she does like the, the song and dance and they were like you can't show this to kids and zemeckis was just like no we're not changing it and they're like yeah you gotta change it a little bit and he's like no we're not changing it and they he stood his ground that's crazy because that that's funny that you mentioned that and i didn't know that but i i i um i was even thinking i'm like i can't believe disney let this fly like the cigarettes and stuff, I guess, like, during that time, like, maybe it was it was all right. And the drinking, they didn't really, like, you know, get into it. But, like, this overly sexual character to the point where they make, like, she's got a ginormous breasts. And they make notice to them constantly. Like, that time where Eddie's pretty much 100% caught with his pants down. And he goes to lift them up. And he goes to lift his head. And he bounces his head on Jessica's boobs. There was, there like, was oh even in the original VHS release, there was even a like a like a single frame, like an upskirt shot of Jessica. Really? Yeah, I um, I didn't check it myself, but I, I read online that they removed it uh-huh. from, from like after the like the initial run. Someone caught it and then they. Um, they cut it out, but it was the. um the scene where Benny crashes, like when they're coming back from uh, Toontown, like while Jessica's flying through the air, I guess at at one of those points, someone drew in a frame where you can like see up her dress and uh, on the original, like the very first run of VHSs before someone caught it. Similar to like some of the other, you know, Disney Easter eggs, like the, uh, like the rescuers, like the naked lady in the window and stuff. Priest with the boner and the priest with the boner um but but you just read about this right you you didn't look it up no right? no i didn't i didn't find a like an actual uh-huh. screenshot or anything like oh, that you, you couldn't find it so you did look for it dan well you asked if i looked at it and i'm saying i just read it you seem you seem real horny right now andrew are you okay <laughs> <laughs> well i just want to know you know did you find it uh it can and can you send it to me <laughs> <laughs> but what website specifically <laughs> <laughs> just send it to me <laughs> yeah that's disgusting could i get like a link well of course they did like disney animators well i don't you know especially disney is well known for sneaking in those little little things to be like hey, this will be funny but i'm, I'm gonna show sure all disney these probably. little kids a cartoon vagina real quick before <laughs> they even know vag- vagina just quick i bet you i wonder if those animators were like is this still a kid's movie 
Nah, I think it's for adults, right? I heard there's like smoke kids smoking cigarettes and alcoholics. This this isn't for kids anymore, right? They made toys. Eddie comes with a little Jack Daniels in wild <laughs> turkey? <laughs> like like an actual nip comes with a toy. <laughs> actual nip included. <laughs> You gotta make him smell like a like a drunk. You're supposed to pour the nip on Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that this movie is actually based on a book as well? Oh uh, yeah, I actually meant to again again another thing I meant to look on, but it was called something else, right? What was it called? Yeah, and it was. Do you know uh, who the author was? It was it was Gary K. Wolf is the author, and the the book is called Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Um, I haven't read it, but again, I, I kind of looked up a little synopsis and it's, it's really weird. Uh, it's, it's like a strange, like murder love triangle, um, where, so, so basically Roger, um, makes like a duplicate of himself and so that he has like an alibi and he essentially murders someone, but then he is also murdered um there's a genie involved that that ends up being like i believe that's who killed roger is like a genie and then eddie kills the genie by throwing him in a fish tank because apparently the way you kill genies is by submerging them in salt water uh so it was it was very different benny wasn't even a character at all um it, it was really weird really weird did they have like Disney characters and stuff? It was it kind of like no, no. It was like it, so. This movie was like a screen ap- adaptation of the book. Like they took okay. the idea and well, I was just wondering if it. the book book still was like oh Disney and Warner Brother characters, but it was like its own. No, own Disney. Did, I mean, I'm sorry. The uh, so the the book wasn't really like <clears throat> wasn't like specific about like Disney and Warner Brother ca- characters and stuff. It was more like cartoon characters were. You know, similar to how they're depicted in the in the movie, they're like actors, but um, like it, it focused a little more on like the segregation and how they were like second class citizens and stuff like that. Like how they had their own, you know, Toontown uh, is like is like the ghetto, basically. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes that's that's crazy. That's like so different from what this movie is, and I'm honestly glad they went the route that they they uh, went because I feel like it would have worked way better. Well, it did work way better. Did you notice that the the title, even though it's a question as well, there's no question mark? I guess I never thought of it that way because I'm just so used to the Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So technically the movie's called Who Framed Roger? No, because how do you say that without saying a question? Who Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> right? So Who Framed Roger Rabbit? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> So this was just like a, a stupid little superstition. Um, back in the 80s, it was considered bad luck to have question marks in the title of your film. So they just deleted it. Really? Oh, well, yeah. yeah, I guess. that. But yeah, I guess the, que- the question marks not really needed. You know, again, I never even really noticed it missing, you know. But I mean, it's a question if you think about it. It is. Who stole the question mark from who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> punctuation police um uh re-going over my notes there are some quotes i forgot to mention that i i I really like a couple of them um uh one of my favorite ones is when 
Roger finds Eddie and like he's like, you know, in Eddie's bed mm-hmm. and he's like, who knows? Does anybody else know you're here? No one else. And then he says, I, lo- I looked everywhere. So I asked the fireman, the green grocer, the butcher, the baker. They didn't know. But the liquor store guy, he knew. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I loved that. <laughs> I thought that was so awesome. Because, again, another one of those jokes I didn't pick up on when I was a kid. He knew. <laughs> <laughs> but the liquor store guy, he knew. <laughs> I loved that. And then uh, another favorite of mine was, um, what was the baby's name? Baby Huey? Herman. Was that the baby Marvin? Herman. Herman, baby Herman. Mm -hmm. I like a quote that he does after he smacks the woman's ass and Eddie's like, what a woman. And he he goes, uh, or something must be a lot of problems or something like that. And he goes, my my problem is I have a 50-year-old lust and a three-year-old dinky. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. And they definitely had to, li- that must have been rough to animate around because I could tell the cigars like moving weird and the baby's hands like kind of shaking. Uh, that must have been really tough to animate, like having, like, that was definitely like someone holding a cigar and a stick and the animators having to, to work around it. Yeah, they, I mean, they used so many crazy techniques that were never done before. Um, it's probably why they won so many awards and, and stuff like that. Like, it, it was just groundbreaking from, so many different perspectives. They actually won three Academy Awards. I don't know if you knew that. No, but I believe it, man, because uh, there there was like so many things like even, you know, and I guess we're, we're towards the end. So I can say this and, you know, I know we're going to ask each other if we feel like this movie held up, but, you know, it held up. You know, there's a lot of things you see later that you watched when you were younger and you're like, the animation doesn't work now. It really doesn't like hold up it, it looks bad but like the they they went all out that that like what is it 26 years later or something like that 27 yeah probably roughly 27 now years it's later. 32 i believe well yeah well my math's way off 32 years later and it's still like wow this is really cool which by the way if that i should have mentioned earlier if they do a sequel i feel like you know a sequel wouldn't be as cool as it is now because this was like insane where nowadays there's so much things people do with graphics that you know it's just gonna be like i feel like younger audience would just be like oh this is just another movie with like animation around somebody this isn't like yeah everything's you know, done with computers so people might not appreciate how much work actually yeah. goes, goes into it when we, when we were younger th- there was like not a lot of movies like this there was like almost no movies like this there, yeah, I mean, for, for an cool animated world. movie to win three Oscars is is fucking crazy. They won best film editing, uh, best sound effects editing, and best visual effects that year. The fucking work shows, dude. And it even um like it, it sparked you know uh, Spielberg was involved. Obviously, you know he's a producer on it. Um, or maybe I think you knew that, right? Yeah, there's actually um this shot when um they show a picture of. Was it Roger and Jessica at a diner? There's like a little sketch drawing of Spielberg in the background on the wall. Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, yeah. I, I was it, just going to say that, that this actually like working on this project and seeing how um, how successful it was ended up kind of sparking Spielberg's interest in pursuing more animated projects. 
So he ended up creating a production, well, not, he didn't specifically make a production company for this, but through his production company, uh, Amblin Entertainment, he started making a bunch of other uh, animated television shows that I really loved when I was younger that I didn't even realize were essentially in, inspired by this movie. And uh, so that was like Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, and like Pinky and the Brain and stuff like that. Oh, you know what? That makes sense. Like, I, I guess like I knew, but didn't really know because especially like Animaniacs, they always made references to like Spielberg movies. Yep. he It was his production company. So that makes 100%, that makes, that makes 100% sense. And I loved Animaniacs. That was such a good show. Oh yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, man, this movie, dude, like it spawned so many great ideas in our future. And I feel like it's such an, uh, like probably, um, you know, the newer generation doesn't understand or appreciate this movie as much. Um, you know, the greatness that it is. So I don't know, man, I hope if they do a sequel, it's just pretty much to show how special this was, but we all know seeing how Disney has been with any property that, um, was from the past and nostalgic what they do for it. It's usually a money grab. So, but unfortunately that said, is there anything you want to discuss before we wrap this up? Uh, so the only other little tidbit of information that I wanted to throw out there is uh, at the end of the film, there's a a song sung by a group of people. Uh, the song is called Smile Darn You Smile. And yeah. all, all of the voices in that are actually the animators of the film singing. Oh, really? That's the Isn't that the song that is also playing when they enter Toontown for the first time when we see Toontown? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it, so that, that was, they collectively had all of the animators record vocals and mixed it for the song. That reminds me too, like of how I loved job. uh, Bob Hopkins did like such a good job, like his reaction of just his face, just being like, "Oh yeah, this is fucking Toontown." (laughs) Like it's how the trees are like, smile, darling, smile. Well, he hates tunes. They killed his brother. Yeah, but he used to love tunes, so it just made me think it was like, dude, you used to drive into this town every day and have to deal with that. Imagine like working a case like at like four in the morning and you drive into Toontown and you haven't even had your coffee and you just got. Especially if you're an trees. alcoholic like Eddie, because he's probably hung over in the morning. <laughs> probably. Yeah, but he wasn't really a drinker until, you know, his brother died. Was that the first time he'd been back to Toontown since then? Yeah. Okay. But I felt like his facial reaction was just kind of like, huh. <laughs> like it was, it was good. <laughs> uh, I guess the last thing I want to mention as well is just a little uh, thing that you might notice the next time you watch. Uh, if you pay attention to, to Doom, he actually never blinks throughout the entire film. And there's usually a, uh, a wind blowing on him as well. And these were elements that Zemeckis thought would make him appear more menacing on screen. So like he'll be indoors and no one else is having any wind affect them, but he'll, his cape will be like fluttering a bit. That makes sense. Cause he's always, he always kind of had like this, even though he limps and, uh, you know, kind of has like this stern look on him he kind of glides a lot it kind of seems like like he's got like an airy float to him yeah they were visual kind of like little visual cues to be like oh he's kind of animated 
one of the most traumatic moments of my life as a child is watching Doom be squished by a steamroller. Oh, when he gets like, up and he's all flat. Well, even before that, when he's like screaming, going, ah, ah, and his like he's kicking it, and but his other foot is like stuck and like crushing him. You know, it's horrifying, man. They show him getting like, even though you find oh it's a tune, but he his half of his body is like underneath. It, and he's just getting crushed. We watch Christopher Lloyd get crushed. <laughs> yeah, I was always, when I was younger, I was always afraid of the, like, right when he gets up, when he's all flat and he's scree- like yelling in that high voice and, like, talking about killing Eddie's brother. I was like, I don't like this. Let me just look at Jessica again. Yeah, <laughs> that's another part I used to fast forward a lot was because uh, that part, like, creeped me the fuck out. Which, uh, yeah. But that 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 was very horrifying. Oh, that the warehouse scene also reminds me that one of my favorite scenes was when they first go to the warehouse and look at investigate the uh you know, Acme's kill like where he got killed. Who killed Marvin Acme? And the police yeah. off Yeah, and the police officers are playing with the animated stuff, like the Acme hole and the uh like the, the hammer, hammer with the boxing glove. Yeah. When yep. I was a kid I was like, Oh, I want that. Like I want those things. <laughs> I want to punch someone with a extendable boxing glove that comes out of a mallet. Yeah. I also wanted a hole so I can like rob banks. <laughs> Just carry a hole around. And yeah, I wanted to rob banks when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to dream big. I was like, it'd be so easy. <laughs> Just go to the back of a bank, take a bunch of holes, make a big hole and, you know, just go in. <laughs> You'd be fucking the holes. You know it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Dan, should we get to our segment? All right. Well, it's time time to uh, take a look back and, and figure out who Jeff Goldblum would play. Yeah, that's a strange thing to do. What are you thinking, Andrew? Like, and I know we make goofy ones, but I think he'd play like a really good Jessica Rabbit. Like maybe even just like as the body actor for it, because he he kind of slinks like a cat. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. And I feel like Jessica has a kind of slinky cat walkness. I don't know if I'd want Jeff Goldblum's voice, though. Maybe just his body motions. But like, I don't know if the voice would be sexy enough. But other than that, um, I so guess you, it's a joke character. So you want like I guess cle- I guess cleavage and and butt shots of Jeff Goldblum, but you still <laughs> you still Jeff want Goldblum. the the throaty, sultry voice of Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, okay. pretty much. All right, I'm I'm kind of digging much. that. <laughs> I I do have a secondary character that I think you should play, but I'm gonna let you say yours for, first because I don't want to steal it from you if it's who I think it is. So. I don't. I don't know if you're if you uh, are gonna have the same one as me, but my idea, if I could take this movie and recast it with Jeff Goldblum as any character in the movie, uh, I'm gonna say that I would have him play. Uh, I think I think his name's Smartass, the the leader of the Weasels. But oh, okay. But not not do the animated voice. I want Jeff Goldblum still just wearing like the same pink suit <laughs> with no pants. And doing all the same lines with the animated weasels, 
and no one acknowledges that he is not a weasel. And and not doing his his voice, the nah, see, no, hey, he, he's Eddie. just gonna talk like Jeff Goldblum, but everyone's gonna <laughs> still interact with the character exactly the same. <laughs> and he's not gonna have any pants, and it's not gonna be edited. It's just gonna be Jeff Goldblum's dick flapping around. So we're gonna have to change the rating of the movie a little bit. <laughs> or I guess they could just creatively like animate things in front of it all the time, kind of like what they did in they didn't animate it, but like. Similar to Austin Powers, how someone's always conveniently like holding something in front of the boobs or a penis. <laughs> yeah, they would really have to the to really change the rating of this movie. So you think so my dick's gonna be out this whole movie? Yep. You're actually gonna slap <laughs> Roger Rabbit with it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I th- I thought you were gonna say I thought you were either going to say Doom or Eddie Valiant. And if you said Eddie Valiant, I was going to argue with you because I don't think Go Bloom would have really done a good job as Eddie. No, no. He's not like an angry. He doesn't. I don't know. I've never seen Jeff Go Bloom play like a, an overly angry guy. Well, that's why I want to see him play a weasel. I want to see him yelling at people and then pretending that he's a tiny little weasel. I actually almost thought that Steve Buscemi played the voice of the weasel. I don't know who does the voice. I don't think it's Buscemi, though. Yeah. Yeah, she. I mean, just imagine <laughs> the the scene where Eddie's pretending to wash dishes and Roger's underwater, but every every couple seconds, instead of a weasel in a pink suit, it's a pantsless Jeff Goldblum wielding a knife. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I actually think he would also play good as Droopy Dog, still with no pants, and. Uh... As long as we can get Jeff Goldblum naked in this movie, I think we've got a yeah. box office smash. And it would work good if he did the the Droopy Dog point one because, you know, Droopy Dog's like, you know, doing the, hey, going up here. And like, you know, it goes up. His dick would be flapping up with the with the elevator. Oh, he instead like, of the elevator yes. going up, when he says going up, sir, he could just get a boner. <laughs> he just gets a boner. <laughs> He lets you step here, and he like <laughs> says step over his boner. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a missed opportunity. I don't know why we're the first people thinking of this. Yeah, come on, Disney, get you your shit what? together. Give us Roger Rabbit too. Release Jeff Goble. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, start a GoFundMe. The real Roger Rabbit starring, starring Jeff Goldblum. We'll get him on board. He'll be cool with it. Who framed Jeff Goldblum's penis? I get to show my dick. Yes. It's the exact same movie, except we're reanimating you in as the weasel and Droopy Dog. You'll be playing two parts. You don't have to change your voice, though. You can keep the same same voice. <laughs> Good. My, my Droopy Dog isn't that great. We'll shoot them both the same day. It'll be fine. Just It'll wear whatever fine. you're wearing right now. He'd <laughs> <laughs> show up you in some have, like sequin track. You just suit. have to take your pants off. You just yeah. have to take your pants off because you are an animated animal, but you won't be animated and your dick will be out. <laughs> wear whatever you want, provided it is Winnie the Pooh style. Oh boy. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Go fund me, guys. Uh, <laughs> Make it happen. So, after that segment, we like to discuss, you know, 
does this movie hold up today? I kind of already went into it a little bit. So, Dan, your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yeah. This is one of my favorite movies. It, it's it been a while since I've seen it, to be honest. Probably, you know, five or six years at, at the least. Maybe even longer. Um, but I still enjoyed it just as much. Maybe for a few you know, different reasons. Like I said, there were a lot of jokes that I probably did not get when I was four years old, especially, you know, the prostate and whiskey jokes, just because I was a sheltered child. Um, but that's the way, why you, you are the way that you are. Yeah. That's why I have so many problems and, but that's a whole other show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Join us on whiskey Dan's podcast where he talks about his life issues it's called what's wrong with me (laughs) Uh, but yeah no it it definitely holds up um seeing all those iconic animated characters together and interacting and just the writing everything that they the way that they like broke all these boundaries to to create this awesome work of art it, it's just timeless like uh like you said some of the animated scenes maybe don't hold up as much but that's more of just a limitation of where the te- technology was at at the time um but overall it's still like a like a solid awesome watch i told you man when i i first watched this for the podcast i started again two more times because it was just, you know, it wasn't one of those movies where you see it again. And you're like, oh, that was good. I remember it being a little bit better, but no, it, it held up for me. Uh, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing it again because I just like the nostalgic of it was just awesome. It, it does have that nostalgia factor for me, but I feel like people could still pick it up fresh that's that have never seen it like kids today. And because it has so many popular and well-known, well-known characters, it would still resonate and I think it would still, you know, strike a chord and, and pick up some new viewers. Um. Well, are you talking about like new generation viewers or view? Well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm saying, you know, I think kids today would still enjoy it. Maybe not as much because there's so many different options as far as animation and stuff like that. But I think you could totally sit down with like a, you know, five year old or something like that. Or, you know, however old I was when I first started watching it and they would love it. See, I've been planning on wanting to watch this with my niece, but I, I just haven't had time to watch it with her. And I'm very curious to see like what what she would think of, because I, I don't know if she's seen this movie yet or if my mother has showed it to her or anything like that. But I'm very curious, um, on what she would think of this movie. You know, if she would think like that it. it's cheesy. You think she'd like it? I think so. I think she'd like it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Some of the things that she showed me really big into the singing and dancing, uh, terrible Disney stuff like uh, zombie high, which uh, was very uh, weird and terrible. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm just out of touch. But if you show a kid this movie and they don't like it, if if it makes you love that kid a little less, I would totally understand. I will see. I think that's also why I'm afraid to show her this movie because uh you know i may love her less <laughs> if she doesn't like it because there are some movies i've showed her and she's like this is boring like i i well i guess this makes sense i tried to show her back to the future once and she was just kind of like 
uh, this is boring. Can we watch something else? I want to watch Zombie High. And I'm like, oh, okay. What's that? And then I was like, this is what you would rather watch instead of Back to the Future. So is it just zombies in high school? So I can't believe I'm talking about this on our podcast. Uh, (laughs) It's about a world where zombies have become kind of domesticated and they have families and they, but uh, they're self-aware. They have jobs. Huh? I said good for them. (laughs) They, they, they live lives, but they're kind of treated differently where they live in like, like shitty neighborhoods and they have to stay there and they stay away from the living and the living that they, the living has decided to join schools where the zombies can go to school with the live kids, but they kind of separate the classes and stuff. More segregation. One zombie kid falls in love with a non zombie kid and, and problems ensue (laughs) and they sing (laughs) It's like high school musical, but with zombies. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> it's terrible, man. I had to watch that like a good amount of it. I don't remember if it was a movie or if there was episodes, but it was definitely like, why am I watching this? <laughs> Please, somebody so I, I would kill say, me. I would say show it to her. And if she, if she's not like if you show it to her and she doesn't seem to be really enjoying it, tell her, you know, to just give it a chance and maybe maybe it would help to picture Jeff Goldblum half naked. That's what I do. Just just uh just tell my my twelve year old niece to picture Jeff Goldblum, who she probably doesn't even know who the fuck is, naked. Well, well then you've got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, on that note, Dan, um have we decided on what we're going to watch next week? I'm not sure yet. I I think we Next week Dan and I decided we're going to do Cool World. Now, I know you guys are probably thinking, guys and ladies, you know, is that nostalgic to anyone? Dan and everybody. I just thought it would be really cool. <laughs> everybody. Like that movie came out in 1992 and they were obviously trying to do like a whole Roger Rabbit type thing. So I haven't seen it as I saw a little bit of it recently because of another podcast I was, I listened to uh, and Dan has never seen it. So it'll be really cool to like compare it to Roger Rabbit and just see how it goes. And it's got Brad Pitt in it. So <laughs> young Brad Pitt. So it'll be, it'll be a good watch. So that said, Watch Cool World um, on our website at 8-Bit Movie Review. No, sorry, man. I've been doing that outro you too much. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what man. are you talking but- about? <laughs> no, don't worry, man. Don't worry about it. Don't- this is the only thing I do, right? This is the only podcast. <laughs> if you go to Show our me website- your cell phone right now, Andrew. <laughs> I need to look at your texts. I don't have a text. cell phone, man. I don't have a cell phone. Josh... Josh, I don't have, I mean, Dan, Dan, I don't have a, I don't have a cell phone. <laughs> I knew it. Um, if you go to our website at let's see that again.com, we'll have a link for you where you can watch that movie. I don't know yet, but we'll have that on there because I haven't looked to where cool watch cool world. And I have a really, really bad feeling. It might be hard to find, but once we have those details, 
we'll let you know. Or if you have any questions, or if we missed something in the episode, you can email us at seethatagain4 at gmail.com. Or just call Andrew directly. That's seethatagain, the number four, at gmail.com. And Dan will answer all your questions and send you a dick pic of Jeff Goldblum. I was going to say, it won't be mine, but I'll send you a dick pic. <laughs> of Jeff Goldblum. Of anything. <laughs> I'll take requests. What, what, what flavor do you like? What flavor? Like, are you going to pick these dicks by taste? Yeah, curated dick pics, man. Curated dick pics. So, I'm Andrew Gonzalez, and join us next week with my co-host, Dan Sullivan, where we'll have fresh dick pics for you. We'll see you next week. Take it sleazy.